Xin chào mọi người. This is a very special bilingual episode giving helpful phrases to talk about child sex abuse in Vietnamese. Unless you're fluent in both languages, which by the way, I'm not, we suggest you watch the video version of this episode with live captions in both languages. Just go to YouTube and type in secrets worth sharing underscore or you can go to our website www.secretsworthsharing.com. Come on. I'd be so scared to say that. <laughs> I think it's more about what to say to parents. And I was like, why isn't this message hitting? And then sometimes I'd look back at the words I said and I was like, oh, because when I said that I wanted support, I didn't actually say what that meant to me. Thinking that, oh yeah, we can't talk, I can't talk about feelings. Actually, there are words for Hi, welcome to Secrets Worth Sharing, a series all about having difficult conversations on child sex abuse, but with serious joy. Today, the episode is all about Vietnamese context and Vietnamese language. I'm Sophia, a designer and a Vietnamese person, mixed. I'm joined by my friend, Rachel. Hi, everyone. My name is Rachel Anbu. I'm from, originally, I'm from Vietnam. I moved to London 10 years ago. So I train as an existential therapist at Regents University in London. My expertise is working with clients who experience childhood abuse. Your skill set is incredibly rare in the UK, both as a Vietnamese speaker and a therapist who works yeah. in existential therapy. Yeah. So Rachel, I first wanted to ask you about your role as a therapist and why therapy in Vietnamese can be so important for Vietnamese people. A lot of people think that, you know, they come to therapy and they expect that the therapist will tell them what to do. Uh, that's not my job because I don't think that I'm in a position to run your life because it's not it's not my life um it is your life and i'm helping i'm here to help you to find your own answer and i i believe that it's more liberating uh, to do it that way i grow up in a culture where i've been told to do certain thing it have to be that way or other way you know doing that basically you giving up your own voice one thing I also wanted to talk about in terms of the difference with uh, second generation versus Vietnamese born. So like, like it's not good mm. at all, my Vietnamese. And I think part of the reason why that is, is because I am mixed. Even the very fact that like, em biết nói chút xíu tiếng Việt, người ta like, oh, people are so impressed. They're like, oh, you know a bit of Vietnamese. Like, wow, well done. So even like, if I go 10 years saying the wrong word, everyone just let me get away with it because they're like, oh, contextually, like we know what she's saying. Mm -hmm. It's just impressive that she can speak. But a lot of my friends who are fully Vietnamese, who were born here, they don't have that luxury, yeah? So people are like, why isn't your Vietnamese better? And so there's many, many layers that when it then comes to talking about child sex abuse, mm. people don't even physically have the words to say what happened to them. And they can't, as you said, articulate these emotions in a, mm. in a structured way. Yeah, you don't have the words for it. Yeah. yeah. No, I understand that. And uh, I think that is a common issue. Mm. I come from people don't yeah don't speak about feelings it's not like completely we do speak about feelings but expressing something very sensitive and can be quite traumatic we don't seem to do that often there are words for that but we don't use it think that oh yeah we can't we can't talk about feelings 
actually there are words for, you know, but for example, feelings like cảm xúc, cảm giác. Which by the way, cảm giác, I only learned that word two years ago. Like mm. I didn't know the word for feelings. I just, yeah. <laughs> just was existing. Yeah. yeah, because I felt like the only time where emotions was made very clear to me as a child was when I was getting told off. It's mm. like, you've disappointed me, you've ashamed mm. me or like, so then I suddenly, a lot of the emotions mm. I had were around guilt and shame and mm. fear and respect, mm. but in a bad way sometimes as well. You kind of feeling put off by trying to learn more because we feel like, what if we try to say other things, other so-called positive feelings? What if it's not the right thing to say? It's also another, another common issue that mm. my clients also experience because they're not encouraged to explore varieties of, of vocabularies in, in Vietnamese. A lot of listeners that we get to the series are Vietnamese, mm -hmm. I think by virtue of who I am and the people that are exposed to the series at mm -hmm. the moment. How can we even begin to have a positive conversation mm -hmm. about child sexual abuse if we can't even have a conversation about mm -hmm. child sexual abuse? Because if you're learning the language through your family, like I did, like many Vietnamese mm -hmm. second generation live here, how are you going to learn the word for sex? Because no one taught me the word for sex, mm. let alone the word for abuse. And so particularly when I was coming out and disclosing to my family, I found it very difficult to translate to the elders a lot of these key sentiments. Mm. Because not only did I have the physical words to say, I also, yes, I have the culture, but in such a dark and difficult time, you don't know what will resonate most mm. with people when you're translating. <laughs> So I thought we could spend a big chunk of the, the episode talking about what phrases people should say and why when they're trying to have this conversation mm -hmm. with their elders. These phrases are very sensitive to talk about. So it's not like because I'm Vietnamese so I can just automatically know the phrase mm -hmm. to talk about it. But even have a normal conversation, sometimes it's just like, I just want you to listen to me. It's also quite difficult yes. in Vietnamese, yes. let alone that difficult topic. So, so the word sex uh, in translation, in Vietnamese translation is, or it can mean uh, child sexual abuse is translated as Here's an example how you could start a conversation. Con có một cái vấn đề rất là tế nhị và con muốn chia sẻ với ba mẹ. Có một cái chuyện nó đã xảy ra và và con không biết nói làm như thế nào bây giờ nhưng mà con đã bị tình dục bởi một người này một người trong gia đình của mình that in itself is not the most difficult part the most difficult part for me so far is about how to say in a way that your parents could listen to you and uh, an example is I could say con nói cái chuyện này cho ba mẹ nghe con hy vọng rằng ba mẹ có thể lắng nghe con và giúp đỡ con ủng hộ con I have tried similar words when I was talking to elders and yeah. I think support from their perspective looked very different to the support I wanted. I wanted them to understand this is the situation I'm in. Mm -hmm. This is why I don't want to speak to the abuser. Mm -hmm. And this is why you getting involved is mm -hmm. not very helpful to me at this time, even though you think it's helping mm -hmm. me, right? Whereas from their perspective, they were like, oh, well, the best thing for her would be if all the family is doing something together. Doing something together, exactly, and showing that united front. And it took me actually three years because when I said words like support and things like that, like both parties would go away thinking like, I've said something to them and I've asked them to give me support and they've agreed. 
Whereas they would go away thinking, oh, she's asked us to support and what we're doing is really good. So we're just going to carry on with what we're doing. And there was multiple times where then we would clash years later mm. when an elder would get involved and try and get the abuser uh, mm. back involved in the family or, you know, whatever, whatever mm. it is. And I was like, why isn't this message hitting? And then sometimes I'd look back at the words I said and I was like, ah, oh, because when I said that I wanted support, I didn't actually say what that meant to me. I guess it's just having those key words. I Googled the word for abuse in mm. Vietnamese, which is lam yong. And I wasn't necessarily using it in the right context. So mm. after disclosing to my family, it actually took three years for everyone to come together as an actual full family to have a discussion about the mm. abuse. I would call that a success because mm. I never thought it would even get to the point where all the elders would agree to sit down and listen to me and, and many different people tried. And I know that in a lot of Vietnamese cultures and contexts, people wouldn't even get to that point. I was happy that I was at that point. But when I was having the discussions, I kept saying like, lam yung, lam, lam yung, blah, 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 blah. Really, what I was using was the general word for abuse. Mm. That could apply to anything. I felt like the thing that really hit home, unfortunately, in my family was graphically describing what had happened. It was the only way that they could fully understand. Mm. And it's funny because in the whole ethos of secrets worth sharing and what I do, I don't believe that you should have to explain what mm. has happened for you to no, you to be believed. But in my family case, I sat down, I had to explain the touches, the actions, the age, what I was wearing for them to finally understand. But then to also do that in Vietnamese, I just said, Lam Yung, and so actually then I found out many years later, those in the family whose English wasn't as strong, they actually still to this day didn't actually understand what had happened. And it was mm. only when other aunties or relatives translated for them, mm. now did they finally realize that's mm. why this is so bad. Yeah. Gosh, that's a lot yeah. that you went through. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, mm. I think it's a very common story. And I think mm. it's particularly the reason why a lot of Vietnamese people aren't comfortable disclosing to their families. The language really is a huge barrier, but also culturally translating why this is a problem. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, do, I, don't think, I don't think anyone went through what you went through should be in that situation. So yeah, one of the phrase that, you know, we could use is Con không cần ba mẹ phải làm cái gì cho con cả Con chỉ cần ba mẹ lắng nghe con Và tin con Cái chuyện đó nó đã xảy ra với con Which I think is so important because We are very much a culture of action And so By even starting by saying you don't need to do anything I just want you to listen and listen properly and understand, like, support me, you know. Yeah, that in itself is just such a hard point to land. Yeah. Well, people want to be helpful, to be yeah. useful. The thing about that experience, that particular experience, is that nobody can take that away. To be honest, taking it away is about saying to me that that didn't happen. It's my experience and, and how, however um, painful it is, it's still mine. I felt like very early on, I was kind of on my own. And even seeking linguistic support from other members of the family mm. was sometimes available, but I was still learning how to speak with them about it. So when I wanted them to provide a translating role, it was a lot harder because I also then had to explain to them my feelings as mm. well and what I wanted to convey. So I relied a lot on my friends whose Vietnamese, some of them is a lot better than mine, but it still wasn't at that level where we could have these really complex conversations. That is again why I'm extra motivated to share some practical phrases in Vietnamese. It put me at a loss for many, many years. Hmm.
So I'm actually going to get out my phone and share some of the phrases that I said. And I thought we could go through some of them mm-hmm. together. And then if you wanted to offer some alternatives in Vietnamese. So the first one was around actually starting the conversation in terms of getting them to listen. But I said something like, Mỗi lần elders, I'm going to say, Mỗi lần elders muốn nói chuyện với con, con nghe lại. Bây giờ, con xin elders nghe chuyện của con. So you're acknowledging that you have given that duty of listening and being an obedient child, but you're just asking for a little bit of listening in return. I think it's just reasonable. <laughs> it's reasonable, yeah. <laughs> then I started, then I said something like, Khi con còn nhỏ, elder yang con, đừng để ai chẳng vào có thể của con. The whole like, don't let anyone touch you kind of thing. Basically, you're then saying like, but the person who did violate or touch my body was somebody who was close to me. Khi mà elders dặn con rằng đừng có để cho người khác đụng vào cơ thể của mình. Con cố gắng làm điều đó. Nhưng mà người này là trong nhà mình biết cái điều đó nhưng mà lại không thực hiện được cái điều mà đã dặn con. Con cảm giác cái điều này rất là mâu thuẫn. I like the use of người ngoại like basically like mm. a stranger versus người nhà right mm. like it makes it mm. it makes it hit home a bit more I wanted to talk about the difference between words versus actions mm-hmm. I wanted to have a conversation with my abuser and I wanted to understand why we kept quiet for so long and I said con muốn câu trả lời nhưng khi abuser trả lời ba năm sau abuser chỉ nói chữ xin lỗi không giải thích Abuser đã viết chữ xin lỗi Nhưng với con không phải là xin lỗi thật lòng So like, you're not, you're just saying the words But you're not actually saying why Because you didn't provide with me an explanation Con muốn có một cuộc nói chuyện với lại người này Và con muốn hiểu được rằng là lý do tại sao mà người đó đã làm dụng con như thế Mình là người nhà với nhau Tại sao người đó là người lớn hơn Tính ra người ta phải bảo vệ con nhưng tại sao người ta lại làm hại con như thế con muốn biết lý do nó như thế nào nhưng mà khi chuyện này vỡ lẽ ra thì ba năm sau người đó chỉ có nói với con rằng xin lỗi một từ xin lỗi nhưng mà nó không thể hiện một cái cảm giác gì cả con không cảm nhận được là người này thật sự And again, what's really nice about your version of that is you use words like an older in the family who was supposed to support me. I think it makes it clearer that break mm. of trust. Mm. For people whose Vietnamese is not as strong, mm-hmm. what I would advise, and is physically what I did, was I wrote this down as a letter. Mm-hmm. So even if the words that you were saying is quite complex for someone to remember, like I would struggle to remember everything that you said, mm-hmm. but I would write it down in Vietnamese and read it out to them mm-hmm. aloud because that way I wrote this all down so that when I was reading it aloud to the elders, it was more powerful because they could see the words that I had written. Mm-hmm. They could help me with the pronunciation. But while I was checking the pronunciation with them, I was double checking the meaning to make sure it really got through to them and I said con đang nói chuyện này bằng tiếng Việt để có gắn giúp elders hiểu hơn I'm saying this to you in Vietnamese to make sure that you get like you know and I knew that I wouldn't get every single word right but it made it more powerful I think hearing it in their own language con biết là tiếng Việt của con nó không đủ con muốn nói bằng tiếng Việt để có thể truyền tải được đủ những cái ý nghĩa, những cái nỗi lòng và những cái suy nghĩ, những tâm tư của con để cho mọi người hiểu được rõ hơn. What would you advise people to say around the whole saving face thing? I often 
get asked things like, oh man, like, what's up, girl? Like, you're just about to get married. What about having the abuser? Like, no, with that high, like, yeah, they're not ye. Like, what, what are we gonna say if people ask ways the abuser at the mm. wedding? Do you have any advice about ways we could translate why that is so difficult? Difficult for the for the for abused. the abused person, yeah. Khi mà con nói ra cái chuyện này với mọi người thì thật là buồn, thật là đau lòng khi mà thấy mọi người chỉ tập trung vào cái chuyện là làm sao để giữ thể diện cho gia đình. Thế thì khi mà thử giữ thể diện cho gia đình như thế thì ai giữ thể diện cho con? Ai giữ thể diện cho cái nỗi lòng của con, cho cái chuyện đau đớn mà con đã trải qua? Can you translate for us as well? Uh, so when you say things like that, it feels as if you're trying to protect the reputation for the family and for that person instead of my own reputation, the pain that I've gone through. Who's going to protect that? It's really nice because, again, where I have failed in expressing that sentiment mm. is I tend to say something like mm. I say so many families have a similar story. But actually, like they don't care about that. Like, mm. They're like, okay, so what? Lots of families have, have a situation mm. like us and they yeah. say face anyway, so we should say face because we want to mm. look the best. Like, especially when you tend to have reputation mm. uh, within the community. And especially I find when there's so few of us, there's, there's more or less 55,000 Vietnamese in the UK now, mm. which is a lot, but not as anonymous as millions of people in a country, right? Mm. So when something does happen, people do tend to hear about it. And mm. that is why people tend to keep very mm. quiet because they want to be seen as the best. This for me was a bit of a last resort as a sentence. So I feel like it's quite common within Vietnamese mm. cultures to use death as a way to discipline or give guilt to a lot of people. Mm. Maybe not intentionally, but to say something like, oh, well, what about when I die? Like, this is gonna, like, my last wish would be this. Or what about, uh, you know, my legacy? Mm. Like, how do I get to live on? It's always used as a way of upholding duty. And I think a lot of the time for elders, there seems to be a duty of finishing something on a good end. Mm. And I definitely feel like some elders that I've been around feel as though if we haven't resolved this matter before we die, then it's going to be an issue. So one of the things I said in the letter was, Gan hong muốn làm elders muốn. Nhưng có thể điều này xảy ra sau khi elders chết và nó có thể không bao giờ xảy ra. So basically what I'm trying to say there is like, I don't want to upset you, but I might not even reach a reason or conclusion to this after you have died. And so don't hold on to that and don't, mm. don't try and rush me. Mm. Con nghĩ là nhiều người trong gia đình, đó, nhất là những người lớn tuổi rồi, sẽ kỳ vọng vào con là giải quyết chuyện này cho xong. Nhưng mà sự kỳ vọng đó, con không nghĩ rằng là nó có thể hoàn thành. Ngay cả khi mà những người lớn tuổi trong gia đình này đã mất. Con không muốn làm cho mọi người buồn lòng Nhưng chuyện này rất là đau lòng đối với con Và con không hứa rằng là con có thể tha thứ cho người này Và nếu mà con có thể tha thứ đi chăng nữa Thì con cũng không bao giờ quên được cái quá khứ này đâu Vì nó đã hằng trong người con Con là người phải chịu cái tổn thương đó Chứ không phải là người đó Cho nên là con hy vọng mọi người trong gia đình thông cảm cho con và đừng có ép con phải làm những cái gì mà con 
không muốn hoặc là chưa sẵn sàng. One thing I really liked there that was key is how you said I don't want to make you sad but this is also making me sad. Sometimes mm. I find that sentiment gets lost because they're like oh well, why are you bringing this up why are you deliberately trying to cause hurt but mm. I think what sometimes can be forgotten is actually that hurt has been held with you for so long. Mm. I would love an upgrade to the <laughs> sentence I told you earlier around success and mental health. Mm. So what I said was GV con đi học đi lại học làm lại học hay mà không có nghĩa là con không có buồn. So uh, translation mm. just because I went to university and studied well it doesn't mean that I'm not sad mm. from this. Mm. So how could I expand on that? Mm. Mọi người trong nhà cứ thấy được rằng là con đi học đại học nè, con làm chuyện này chuyện kia có vẻ rất là hạnh phúc, có vẻ rất là thành công. Nhìn bề ngoài vậy thôi nhưng mà không có nghĩa rằng là con không có cảm giác con hoặc là không có cảm xúc. Con đau chứ, nhưng mà cái nỗi đau đó không thể nào mà thể hiện ra ngoài và có thể rằng là mọi người trong nhà không muốn nhìn thấy con phải đau đớn như thế nào. Cho nên con con che nó đi và cũng muốn để mà bảo vệ mọi người khỏi cái nỗi đau đó. Nhưng mà con cười, con vui không có nghĩa rằng là cái chuyện đã xảy ra nó không có ảnh hưởng tới con. Nó ảnh hưởng rất lớn, nó ảnh hưởng rất nhiều. Con phải sống với nó từng ngày mà làm sao nó không ảnh hưởng được. Nó ảnh hưởng tới cái cách mà con đối diện với bản thân con, con đối diện với mọi người xung quanh. Sorry, I, I really like the use of the word hiding that you mm. used there because again, it's something quite common that people are very used to doing, mm. hiding their emotions, hiding their feelings. But here you talk about how that is painful mm. as well, mm. right? It makes mm. it very powerful. One thing with my limited Vietnamese that I try to make a distinction from just bull was I used to say like red level. Like, mm. does it does that sentiment still have the same? Effect. You can say đau lòng. Cái việc đó rất là đau lòng đối với con. Con cảm giác rất là đau khổ. There's a few words to describe that pain is tê tái trong lòng. It's like something really you experience the cold to your bone. That's pain. Mm. It can be quite similar to that pain. Something that can be quite difficult, especially if the person is still living around family or around support networks but they mm. want to access external support such as therapy or counseling mm. or talk to charity there's a lot of cases it's quite common where people say oh, we don't want you to say who it is mm. like, you don't want our family to look bad how can we convey the sentiment that mm. counseling is confidential in this country cái vấn đề cốt yếu của trị liệu tâm lý là vấn đề bảo mật Tất cả những cái gì mà con nói hoặc là con chia sẻ với người tâm lý đó đều là bảo mật cả. Người trị liệu tâm lý đó, người ta chủ yếu là nghe về vấn đề của con. Chứ người ta không có quan tâm tới chuyện là người nhà của mình là ai. You know, like this phrase in Vietnamese to, to tell people that they worry about whether they would be mentioned in the therapy is that cái chuyện này là chuyện của con chứ không phải là chuyện của mọi người. Con có quyền quyết định được cái chuyện này và con muốn nói chuyện như thế nào đó là quyền của con. I'd be so scared to say that. <laughs> no, but but it is, you know, like maybe you're scared to say to to your family, but I think that other people might be in similar situation like you. They could feel that oh, actually that could be an option. I don't need to 
mind your business. You know, I just need to mind my own business, which is my mental health. And I need to look after myself. And I pay for therapy. And that is my time, you know. So why do I have to worry about other people? I think it's more about what to say to parents, a message out there for parents to maybe pay attention to their children a little bit more. Would you be comfortable saying that in Vietnamese for... Um, for parents, yeah. yeah. Mình hôm nay là mình có một cái lời nhắn tới, tới bất kỳ cha mẹ nào và nhất là cha mẹ ở trong cộng đồng người Việt hôm nay mọi người mọi người làm cha làm mẹ lắng nghe con cái của mình thế thì bây giờ khi mà con cái mình nó mở lòng nó ra nó chia sẻ với mình thì quý vị làm ơn lắng nghe con cái mình nó tin tưởng mình thì nó mới chia sẻ cái chuyện đau lòng này với mình cái chuyện đó nó đau đớn lắm với con mình thế thì bây giờ ngay cả bố mẹ của mình nó nói mà bố mẹ không tin thế thì nó còn tin ai được nữa bây giờ và cái tầm ảnh hưởng của nó rất là lớn và nó không chỉ có ảnh hưởng ngay bây giờ đâu nó còn ảnh hưởng tới cái cách mà nó lập ra những cái mối quan hệ khác trong cuộc đời của nó nữa bắt đầu một mối quan hệ nào khác thì làm sao mà nó có thể tin tưởng được rằng là người đó có thể tin tưởng mình hoàn toàn khi mà ba mẹ mình là những cái người gần nhất với mình lại không tin tưởng mình We really hope that that has helped you feel a bit more equipped with some Vietnamese words and phrases that you can use. We have full transcriptions and captions of everything in our video and podcast. So even if you're not sure exactly of the words we use, you can just copy and paste them. You can show elements of the video, elements of us talking. But we really hope that this encourages people to better understand some of those cross-cultural narratives in Vietnamese and English so that we can start that intergenerational dialogue. Rachel, would you like to just mention a little bit about Vietnamese Mental Health Partnership? There's a Vietnamese mental health service in the UK. Um, you can Google it. It's near London Bridge. Yeah. And I think that they they also support online therapy. And also I know that there are a few Vietnamese speaking therapists in the UK. Check out the UKCP and BACP and also the psychologytoday.com. Thank you so much for coming along. <laughs> Thank you for having me here. Of course. <laughs> and if you just tell one person that you've seen this video, you'll be amazed at the kind of conversations you'll have. So hopefully this can help. Okay, come on, my Bye. If you want more bite-sized content, we also have a webisode version of this episode called The Secrets Out, which focuses on more do's and don'ts for your own conversation. Find us on YouTube or by going to www.secretsworthsharing.com.